listeners. Last week's episode got me in some real legal trouble. What with the heinous crimes I admitted to committing. Stealing, animal abuse, assault with a deadly weapon, destruction of property, assisting in the murder of rooftop butler archers, etc. Luckily for me, the judge has ruled that I can continue to tell my life story under supervision and house arrest. As if those clowns don't realize I haven't been able to leave my house since 1974. (laughs) But without any further ado, let's continue from our cliffhanger, shall we? Episode 2, Saving a Life. The cardboard shotgun shook in Bongo's nervous hands. Dad had tears streaming down his face. Aunt Dorothy was covering her eyes. Please don't let this crazed man kill me. I know I did you wrong. We shouldn't have ditched you on your first birthday. We should have waited at least another few weeks, Sturgy. Sturgy boy. Come on, old Sturgy boy. You're right, I said. I can't let Bongo kill you. Bongo lowered the weapon. It's my dad. I'll do it. Bongo tossed me the cardboard shotgun and I pointed it at my dad's face. I was four and a half now, three years removed from the abandonment that caused me such pain, such confusion. I spent my life thinking that all babies leave the nest at one, that every human finds their very own Bongo to guide them. I realize now that I was just treated like loose raccoon manure. I can't do it, I said, defeated. Thank you, son, for sparing your old man, Dad said. No, I mean I'm too weak to pull the trigger. On second thought, Bongo, you do it. I tossed the gun back to him and he blasted my papa's head clean off. Well, not clean off. It was pretty fucking gnarly if we're being frank. Aunt Dorothy screamed. Bongo raised the gun towards her, but I gave him a nah and we headed back to our cardboard home. They needed to pay a price. Soon after, the police showed up, kicked down our cardboard door about as easy as you'd expect, and threw Bongo in the back of the cruiser. Mom and Dorothy must have snitched. Bongo kicked and screamed, but a few taser shots to the nuts calmed him down. The coppers laughed as he squirmed. I was left there because four-year-olds can get away with murder almost as easy as white rich people, I suppose. I was alone again. I walked to a nearby diner, hands in my pockets, and asked the waitress for some coffee. I had a few bucks to spare that I yoinked from my dead sperm donor's wallet, so I grabbed a blueberry muffin, too. They tasted like shit without Bongo by my side mainly because he always had a spare bottle of barbecue sauce with him, and how the hell am I supposed to eat a blueberry muffin without a splash of baby rays? As I was choking that barbecueless dog food down, I heard the static of a nearby radio, which was followed by the words I'll never forget. Local man Bongo Rongoman sentenced to the death penalty for the murder of a mansion-owning rich man. The courts were much faster in 1907. I cried on my muffin differently than usual. These weren't tears of happiness at the barbecue-rich flavor that my muffins typically exude. No, these were the tears of sadness. 
my dear sweet Bongo was going to be put to death. The radio said I had three days before his hanging. I couldn't let the man who took me in and helped me get vengeance on my family die at the hands of pigs. That's right, blue lives can suck my elongated leathery ball bag. I sat at our cardboard dinner table with paper and a pen. Plan, 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 I said aloud, hoping it would spark something genius in my three-year-old brain. All right, here's what I'll do. I'll go up to the prison where they're holding him, explain that it was all a misunderstanding, and they'll let him out. So I tried that, but they told me to leave. As I was exiting the prison, I noticed a metal ladder bolted to the side of the building. I climbed to the roof. There was a doorway up there, but God damn it if it wasn't locked. But wait! There was an enormous key ring glimmering in the sunlight on the ground next to the door but it was attached to a sleeping janitor packing heat in one hand and a broom in the other. I didn't want to get shot. I slowly pulled the keys out of his belt loop, holding my breath all the while. He didn't stir. He didn't shoot me. Okay. I tried the first key. Nope. Second key. Nope. Forty keys later, still nothing. The very last key on the key ring and voila! The knob turned, but just as I kicked open the door violently and it bashed against the wall behind it, the janitor awoke. I ran to the edge of the roof and jingled the keys. The janitor charged me like a bull, and as he reached the edge, I ducked underneath his legs and pushed on the back of his knees. He fell off the roof and landed head first. He was most certainly dead. Damn, that one I actually feel bad about. Dude was just doing his job. Oh well, shit. I went through the newly unlocked door, cell after cell of inmates. Murderers, thieves, tax evaders, scum of the earth, all of them. Except for my tax evading murderer thief, Bongo. Eventually I stumbled upon his cell. Sturgill, he said. They're gonna kill me, boy. You have to let me out of here. I tried all the keys on the key ring. None of these work, Bongo. What do I do now? Sturgill. At the end of the hall is a guard's office. When they were first throwing me in there, I think I saw a big red button. In stories, those big red buttons open all the cells. It's worth a shot, Bongo said. I snuck down to the office and poked my head up into the window. This guard was asleep, too. No wonder the Clintons were able to easily sneak in and out when they were putting Epstein in a fatal headlock. These prison workers are rarely even conscious. I opened the door up, waved my hand in front of the guard's face to confirm he was out cold, and punched the big red button. The lights went out, an alarm blared, and all of the cells slid open. We're free, some thug screeched. The guard finally woke up and pulled his pistol from the holster. Ah! I screamed, Bongo, we gotta go! I ran to him, grabbed him by the calf, and we sprinted behind the other freed prisoners. Guards were tasing people left and right as they were exiting the building. I kicked a guard in the ankle as he was aiming his taser towards us, and he fell to the ground. Bongo picked up the taser he dropped and shot it at another guard's face. It clipped his nose and shocked him to the dirt. 
Bongo and I ran into the forest. Other prisoners were being chased down. Many were fast enough to escape, and we were resting among the trees. Ah, we're safe, Bongo said. Thank you, Sturgill. You truly saved my life. Bongo hugged me, and we started off walking towards home. We're going to have to move. Far away from here. Any ideas, Sturgill? As he asked that, a police car flew through the trees and crashed nose down into the ground. A cop somersaulted out of the wreckage, stood tall, and pointed a pistol at us. Get down on the fucking ground! The rude swear word using officer shouted. Now that we're the ones staring down the barrel of a gun, I kind of feel bad about what we did to your dad, Bongo said. Yeah, me too, I said. The cop lowered his gun with tears streaming down his face. Well, it sounds like you kids learned your lesson. And that's what the justice system is all about. Get out of here before I change my mind. What? Bongo said. Go on, I said get, the cop said. We ran back to our cardboard house, gathered our belongings, and headed off into the sunset.